These are Grindstaff Publishing Audio Files. Room to Rome. Chapter 3. Finland. With a shrill ring, my phone alarm yelled at us, telling us it was 6am. In a kind of drunken daze, I rolled over in the stiff bunk, digging my head in the pillow for my sleep, when a shot of panic ran through my heart and I mumbled from somewhere deep within, Fuck! My entire body shot out of the bottom bunk and as I stood swaying, I shook Reed and we both realized our plane would leave Iceland in an hour and a half. In a kind of zombie state, we mulled about our room, rubbing our bloodshot eyes and grabbing miscellaneous items we had strung out from the night before. Each passing second shivered with anxiety as our brains became ever more aware of the predicament we had put ourselves in. Within minutes, we had gathered our bags and left the hostel, hustling across damp grass and iced over snow piles until we reached the bus depot. At 6.30, we missed the bus and sat slightly slumped in the waiting area until a new bus approached 10 minutes later. We lumbered onto the bus and were careening through the early morning darkness and in what felt like ages reached the airport. With eyes burning and stomach churning, we found ourselves at the back of a snaking line through security. Panicked, my bloodshot eyes scanned the area for a solution. There was no way we would make the flight if I had to check my gigantic bag. It was a fact. Then, on the wall next to the start of the security line, I saw a sign which read something like, Oversized Luggage. Since my pack was as big as I was, I reasoned through my alcohol-soaked brain that the sign must apply to my bag and my predicament. Making myself a kind of genius, I rushed over to the window and told a large, apathetic man behind the window what was happening, where I was going, and filled out a small tag, which I watched him lace through a strap of my pack. The gigantic backpack was fed through a conveyor belt into the room which housed oversized luggage and Reed, who by that point looked worse than I'd ever seen him, and I rushed to security. By some miracle, we made it through the other side and were sitting at our terminal gate minutes before our flight was to depart. We boarded our flight to Helsinki and sat in our seats both feeling like death. The kind of feeling every adult has had when the body just wants, or needs, to sleep, to, to rest, to do something that doesn't include think or act in any way. Before we even took off, Ree was sleeping next to me, mouth agape, while I watched out the window as he took off and left Iceland behind us. I watched as a small portion of Iceland we had conquered, slipped away into the clouds. Before I had fed my large backpack through the conveyor belt, I had made a day pack, one which my mom, in her most pristine moment of overpreparedness, had made me take, filled with my camera, travel journal, extra pair of socks, undies, and shirt. As we flew higher and farther away from the first country of my European backpacking expedition, I rested my head against the window. My alcohol-ridden brain began to drift in between past, present, and future in a dreamlike state of exhaustion. Ever since I set foot on that train in Pasco, my brain had been sharp and ready for whatever came its way. Now it was dull from lack of sleep, jet lag, travel, and an all-night bender of who knows how many pints. On one hand, I felt like an idiot, but on the other, I felt like I had already made the first four days of my three-month journey worth it, every single minute. Everyone kept telling me to live this trip to its fullest. I was just living up to the advice countless people had given me, enjoy it, every second. The plane landed, jolting us out of our restful sleep. Onto the baggage claim for the mundanity of waiting in lines and grabbing the bags that are always there amidst the others, except mine wasn't. Through the still hungover haze, I watched as people around me shuffle towards a conveyor belt to grab their bag that was always meant to be there. With every passing person, my giant bag wasn't showing up. 
and it wasn't until the conveyor belt made two complete passes when I and the other two women next to me hurried over to the help desk. The blonde young woman behind the counter smiled and put on her best face and went through the pleasantries of a job which many people dismiss. After a few words and a couple distressed looks at her computer, it was determined my bag was lost. Not lost in transit, or it, it must be here somewhere, don't worry. No, it was lost. Gone. Completely, you are screwed, fucking gone. In her most positive scripted tone, the attendant broke the news to me and my gut dropped. There is so much in that backpack, so many essentials, I couldn't continue the trip without. Through my red itchy eyes, tears began to swell, only to be pushed back by my thoughts of Reed sitting off behind me somewhere. I couldn't let him see me cry out of exhaustion and distress. I gathered myself and filled out the contact sheet and was told the airline had two weeks to search for the missing luggage until it turned into an insurance issue. The woman asked me where I would be in two weeks and all I could say was, I have no idea. The entirety of my plan was to not have an itinerary, and at that moment in the Helsinki airport, I began to regret every bit of my idiocy. Composing myself, I walked back over to my zombie-like companion, sitting, no slumped, on a bench near the baggage claim exit looking exhausted, on the verge of haggard. At his feet, it was a bag I had used as my carry-on. The small day-hiking backpack looked insignificant, infinitesimally small. It was all I had for thousands of miles. All I could think of was the old George Strait song. Everything that I got is just what I got on. A sense of pride welled up within me. This first setback, a rather major one, had taken place and I rambled my way through it. As we walked out into that finished sunlight of morning, I felt like a kind of vagabond from a different time. Little luggage on my back and an open, directionless road stretching long ahead of me. After a short bus ride through the city, Reed and I made our way to our hostel, a large stadium originally built and used for the 1952 Helsinki Olympic Games. The outside was so impressive in its scale and history, but once we entered, the illusion faltered and we were met with a rundown ruin of a bygone glory days. Our room was an open square with bunk beds lining the walls and large hairy men with harsh-sounding accents turning about in various states of dress, hacking and spitting from all around. Exhausted from the night before and thankful to have a place to stay, we secured our bags, mine much easier now that it has a fraction of the weight and size, and were back into the sunshine and fresh air. Helsinki felt much more open than Reykjavik, and the buildings had a kind of Russian feel to them with the way the roofs were shaped and the amount of no-nonsense straight lines fitted into the architecture. We wove in and out of a residential streets, bought a few toiletries from a local market, and found ourselves standing at the docks looking out over a large sailing ship as the ocean stretched out in front of us. The night had ended fairly early back at the stadium hostel with large men snoring in a kind of hellacious synchronicity, which kept me awake most of the night. Morning came with rain and breakfast planning in the hostel over black coffee. Neither of us cared much for the dormitory, but due to my bag being lost and my inflated sense of hope at it getting found and shipped to me quickly, we decided to stay another night. The rain soon turned into sunshine and we were out into the streets once again, first visiting a couple of churches, then down into a large outdoor market along the water, and finally on a boat crossing the bay and landing on Suminlina, an island fortress built to defend the city a few hundred years ago. With stone walls reaching toward all corners of the large island and with cannons dotting certain vantage points, the fortress still seemed like it could ward off a modern-day attack. The green grass was well maintained and people sat on the naked rocks watching as the waves rolled and many small boats passed, with glorious sails bouncing luscious sun rays off their gleaming skins. For a piece of land built to defend against an invasion, the atmosphere in the current day was relaxing and calm. Reed and I wandered all around talking about how amazing it was to be in a country so far away. We talked about how close we were to Russia and brought up our drunken talk of flying to St. Petersburg 
and how amazing it was that we could literally travel anywhere in the world at a moment's notice. As so many of our discussions reveal, the human experience is one of immense freedom, either the pursuit of it or the anxiety of realizing we have it only to then choose what to do with that knowledge. In our case on that island, it was one of living in the moment where freedom was everywhere and we were to make the best of it. After a few hours, we ferried back to the docks of Helsinki and found a highbrow brewery. We paid the outrageous prices for the pints and talked with the bartender about topics we as craft beer bartenders would talk about in our outrageously pedantic way. Before long, I realized how similar we all were and how even a few thousand miles of distance and vastly different cultures couldn't keep us from being similar. On the way back to our hostel, we stopped at a cathedral made of rock, seemingly in the middle of the city. The atmosphere was dark as the only lights were hundreds of candles lining the walls of the cavernous room. Dark stained pews and worshippers with heads hanging filled the center as we stood in the back of the church observing. Minutes seemed to extend past their normal parameters as the atmosphere overtook my senses and I became engrossed in the right. I think of myself as quite non-religious, but in those moments it was pleasant to be amongst the initiated and feel the sanctity of the space surrounding us. I left that stone church feeling more at ease as we made our way back through the night. The morning came with ease as we were up early and rushing to meet our train. Our next stop was the small harbor town of Turku. Our train traveled through the changing landscape of autumn with its green and red leaves lining the shores of blue water stretching out only interrupted by rocky islands. Reed and I both put headphones in and turned out the world around us with a three-hour ride. It felt nice to be alone on the rocking train. Blissful was a lack of noise. It was late morning when we departed the train and made the short trek to our new hostel, a large ship bearing the name S.S. Borea. A large ferry-style ship built in 1960, the Berea had been repurposed as a boat hostel. As we scaled the gangplank, my boyish sense of adventure swelled to new heights. The interior of the ship was furnished with green carpet, dark-stained wood trim and paneling, and the doorways were the watertight steel ovals so commonly seen in old nautical movies. After a quick check-in, we wound through the ship and found our cabins. Unlike the stadium hostel in Helsinki, we each had our own personal cabin. Quite small but private, and each had a small porthole overlooking the small city. With a renewed sense of vigor, we exited the ship and soon found Turku Castle, a medieval castle which is one of the oldest structures in the country. We walked through the courtyard and admired the white walls and medieval architecture of the castle before strolling over to the Turku Cathedral. After a quick glance inside, we bought some ice cream from our vendor and walked across an open square getting many looks from passerby but not thinking much about it. The main shopping district was filled with trinkets and clothes way out of our price range, so we walked back to the square to find some food. A small blue building had pictures of every kind of hamburger combination imaginable, plastered to each side of its walls. Every establishment we had gone to before had been staffed with people who spoke excellent English, and we had not encountered much in the way of language barriers, except then. Once confident in our decisions, we stepped towards the sliding window and were greeted by an old hunchwoman who spoke absolutely no English. Through a series of poor hand signs and an exchange of money, we were assured through an overexcited series of head nods that our food was being prepared. As we stood waiting, a few rough-looking guys got closer to us, speaking to one another, then nodding in our direction. I didn't think we were being threatened, but it definitely felt like we were outsiders who didn't belong in the square. After some time, the little old lady threw open her window and presented the burgers and fries we believed we had ordered. Thanking her in the Finnish, Kitos, we stole across the open square, biting into our burgers. A few bites in, we were sure it wasn't any kind of beef we were eating, and later we were told it could have been reindeer, a common meat used in those kinds of settings. Regardless of the kind of meat, the burgers were gone before we left the square in search of something to wash them down. 
With darkness about to fall, we began climbing a hill toward an ominous-looking building surrounded by a tall barbed wire fence. The looming building gave off an insidious vibe as we walked the perimeter, guessing at all the secrets which could lie behind its walls. Once at the highest point, we looked down on the lights of Turku and how they contrasted with the blank darkness of the ocean where we would not only lay our heads that night on our shore, but trek in it the following morning. We arrived back to our boat hostel with a few cans of fruity local beer from a small market. Sitting in the dark at the wooden bar, empty of patrons and beaming with history, we talked about the next day's journey to Sweden and our love of boats and water. Reed told stories of his youth and pubescence in Florida and how he owned a small boat which he used to ferry friends of the Keys and swamplands in the state. I mixed in stories from my summer of working on a commercial fishing boat in southeast Alaska and told of the people I had met and the ways we had encountered. The cold beers went down smooth in that bar on our final night in Finland. Acting much more responsible than in Iceland, we finished our beers before 11 and retired back to our cabins. As I crawled onto that hard mattress, I looked up at the slanting roof illuminated from the glow of the city to the porthole and smiled at those little idiosyncrasies which makes every journey personal and unique. Although the boat was stationary, my tired mind reminisced about how the Alaskan boat rocked at night in the various spots we docked and anchored and it soothed me in the way the water always has. Reed and I met for breakfast the next morning in the ship's dining hall, preparing ourselves for the voyage ahead. We walked through the heavy rain and dark clouds of the main shipping harbor of Turku, where our modern-day ferry was tethered waiting to undertake the long voyage across open waters to Sweden. Everything went smoothly at the check-in, and we sat waiting amidst an eclectic group of travelers from a variety of different regions of the world, each of their own accents being admitted into the atmosphere into a cacophony of clashing accents, cries and screams from young children tired from the hour, and vivacious family members saying their goodbyes to the ones they loved. Boarding was quick, and before long, the giant red ship broke away from the harbor and we were steaming out, starting the 11-hour voyage across. As was our custom, we quickly set out to explore our surroundings with the obvious first stop being the highest point possible. We wound through the throng of people, clustered into small groups, standing against windows and walked out into the middle deck amidst a flurry of intense wind and spitting rain. Smiling, I hurried up a wet set of stairs and found a wide-open top deck with a howling wind and fog on all sides of us. Reed soon reached me, and we laughed and smiled at the storm we were going into. The only other person on the drenched deck was a young woman about our age, named Petra from the Czech Republic. We introduced ourselves and decided at best to head back into the warmth of the ferry for some coffee. Finding an open table, the three of us sat down with our drinks and began to talk. Petra was in her late twenties with short brown hair and a cute face with eyes which showed kindness but also intensity. She had been traveling by herself up from her small town in the Czech Republic, visiting both Poland and Estonia, ferried across to Helsinki and got into Turku just in time to catch the ferry to Stockholm, where she was planning to spend a few days before catching a flight back home. Reed and I told her about our trip so far and what we had tentatively planned over the next few days. It was amazing how easy she was to talk to. Within minutes, it had seemed like I had known her for years. We talked about our interests and where we came from, compared our upbringings and how we saw the future. For a few hours, the three of us talked and walked around the large ferry, admiring its bars, slot machines, food courts, and numerous areas to buy random things. At one point in the journey, the ship began to rock with such an intensity that people had to sit down on the floor in order to regain their composure, while the food court had to close due to soups and other foodstuffs spilling out of their containers. Amidst the chaos, a fisherman in me took over and I rushed to the top deck and was met by a howling wind and pouring rain. With a maniacal smile on my face, I struggled to the sternmost rail of the struggling behemoth and stretched my arms and legs wide yelling into the storm. With my long hair and flannel shirt flapping in the wind, I closed my eyes and felt an all-encompassing sense of awe come over me. 
It was at that point I realized where exactly I was. I was in the moment. I was truly present, soaking up every second as it passed, not thinking about how I'd gotten there or where I was going afterwards. I was the only person on the planet, and all that mattered were those glistening moments stretching out into infinity. I felt all-powerful, not only for those moments, but, more broadly, because I was doing exactly what I was supposed to do in my life at exactly the right time. Many seconds passed as the ship rocked back and forth, my muscles reverting back to what they had learned on a much smaller boat in waters as rough as this in a place, many thousands of miles away. I opened my eyes, which were beaming out into that foggy abyss, and I walked back to my two cold friends watching me with their intense eyes. We descended back into the ferry, and after another hour, Petra wanted to spend the rest of the voyage alone. Contact information was exchanged, and a few last words of thanks were spoken, and I watched her walk to a table facing the water and pull out a book. It's always amazing meeting people that are truly independent and are as happy in their heads as they are amongst a group of people. Reed and I bought a few refreshments from a market brave enough to be open during those times of turbulent seas, and we retired to a table at the bow of the ferry in a room designed for entertainment. Reed spent the remaining hours with his nose in a book written by Snorri Sturluson about Icelandic life many hundreds of years ago, while I jotted notes from our experiences so far with the hopes of putting them to use someday. With an announcement over the intercom, we were entering the final leg of the voyage. We went back up to the top deck and watched as many small islands poke their way through a diminishing fog. Some islands had a lone cabin built on them, while others had houses with neighboring windmills, while still others had houses with saunas and a dock with a small boat attached. The islands began to come with trees and soon we were met with the sun setting in the city of Stockholm coming into view. As our giant ferry slowly made its way toward its docking station, Reed and I leaned against the railing and took it all in. The city was beautiful from the top deck of a ship, many stories high. The ferry came to a shuddering halt as we bumped into the dock. With the excitement of a new country, we descended into the ferry and joined the masses of voyagers awaiting to be released upon the new city, the city of Stockholm. End of chapter.